The text of Lech Lecha, the story of, of, of Avraham leaving and cleaving, per se, to Hashem, is a powerful story for every human being. I saw a Netflix special uh, last night after Havdalah called One of Us. Have you seen this yet? One of Us. One of Us. And it's, it chronicles, the documentary chronicles uh, four or five former Haredi members of the Haredi community that left for one apparent reason after another. And all of them were very uh, tragic situations, right? It was it was not beautiful at all, and they became very disillusioned, very abused, and they left. Only about 2% of all Haredi uh, people actually leave this, the, that sect of Judaism. And with that being said, you know, that's an amazing thing that only 2% leave. But it chronicles these two people who left, and they were so absolutely just, their faith had been destroyed. And I was in the conversation with Rabbi Weissman, David Weissman, this afternoon, and we're talking about this whole idea of cleaving to Hashem. And he had mentioned a few things that reaffirms some of my feelings after watching this. God forbid that anyone becomes a, a victim of someone else's abuse. And then that affects their relationship with God. That's horrible. And every one of us in this room has heard of that. In some religious world it's a situation, we've heard of people getting abused and their lives being destroyed. And so I ask, how do we, how do we cleave to Hashem in such a way that that doesn't become um, a paradigm in our life? How do we cleave, cleave to God in such a way that we can look above the valleys and the troubles and the, and the abuse and look above and look to Hashem instead of looking to um, that which has abused you. And it's hard. I'm going to just tell you right now, it's very difficult. And in no way am I standing here indictment of the Haredi community because who am I to do that? But the point is this. We live in a, a world that's already cruel. It's already very difficult. We don't need to add to that. We need to add to, if anything, levels of compassion to try to help people that are destroyed. But what I'm going to address tonight or today is this idea is there are tests to cleave into a shim, period. No person is exempt from the test that comes to cleaving to a shim. No person. The only person that is exempt is the person who's not trying to cleave. There's no test for that person. The example that is given in one source is that a potter uh, tests only the broken pot, uh, the, the, the faulty pot once. The pot that is the strongest gets tested several times. It's the pot that's not very well built, might not even get tested at all. And so as I watched the, the, the documentary and I began to examine people's lives who in their test, they, they, they fell apart for whatever reason. It breaks my heart. I hate to see that. But at the same time, I want to encourage those people that are not religious Jews that are watching and those who are, are righteous in the nations who are trying to find their way to not get set aside by the test, to not get destroyed by the test, 
to keep your 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 head in the game, and that our our head in the game is service to Hashem, loving God with our whole heart and cleaving to God. For example, if a non-Jew who is righteous wants to find Hashem, and they find this great, beautiful thing called Judaism, and they try to go toward it, and then all of a sudden they see all of the chaos that is around certain sects of Judaism. Don't go to this group because that group doesn't like that group, and this group they don't do this. And All of a sudden that person that gets discouraged and decides to become agnostic or Buddhist, what was the flaw? What was the flaw in their thinking? They weren't cleaving and what? They weren't keeping their eyes on Hashem. They began to commit a vodazara with the Jewish people or with Judaism. And what I'm saying here is that we've got to keep our priorities straight. There's nothing wrong to looking within the religious community of Judaism and say, these people really try to operate the highest level of integrity. They, they believe in tradition. They keep the Torah they're very strong in their moral guidance, etc. But humans are humans. And the, the quicker we can get our eyes off of the human element and get our eyes on the divine will be the quicker that we will be able to cleave. The first test of Avraham Avinu faced comes up at the very beginning of Lach And what was that first test? He was to leave the comfort of home and to go out and find himself outside of his father's house. What does every father want for his son? To grow up up and sort of follow in his footsteps, right? No father that I know of would would ever go, well, I wouldn't want my son following my footsteps. Unless, obviously, he was a criminal or something. But most fathers have a good intention that the sons follow. Abraham had a strong family unit. This was not an easy thing. And as a matter of fact, we are very familiar with the fact that Avraham Avino's father, which is Avram at the time, his father, Avram's father, wanted him to eventually go to Canaan and connect with his relatives. Right? How do we know that? Because when he was picking his son, his a, a wife for his son, what did he do? He sent him to his family, his people in Canaan. So this is the first test. Avraham had to make a strong moral uh, decision of what to do at the highest level. Why? Because in Middle Eastern families, people just don't pack up and leave their family. Now, maybe in an American family, that's a little different, right? We're so disjointed and we move all over the world, we we just don't know what to do. Uh, Tom asked a while ago, well, how do we know, you know, wouldn't it be nice if Hashem would say in our ear with a big megaphone, this is what you shall do. Be great. And then I told Tom, well, not even Abraham got that privilege, so I doubt you're going to get that. Right? Abraham was initially told to go. After that, every decision that Abraham had to make came down to what? Making the right choice. I mentioned last week on the radio show that the world that we live in, the the uh, life itself has no meaning. Kind of surprised to hear that? Life has no meaning, right? Except what you put in it. The only meaning in life is what you make of it. 
And ultimately, according to Rabbi Stuart Federal, I love this quote, he says, outside of the moral and ethical framework that the Torah gives us, you have complete free will to do whatever you want. Think about it. So what's limiting us? What limits us often is our small thinking, our little square box that we put in. Oh, this is how we've always done it. This is the expectation on me from my family members. This is how it's always been done. And instead, what does Hashem want us to do? To realize, according to the book of Ecclesiastes, what Solomon was trying to say is life has no meaning. Now, this was coming from a wealthy king. Had everything that you could ever want. He Anything he desired, he got and yet at the end, what does he say? It actually doesn't have any meaning. All the wealth in the world doesn't, means nothing if you don't squeeze out meaning for yourself. And so the, the idea is, is this. When it comes to cleaving to a shim, whatever you have to do, you must do it. All within the guides, the, the, the framework of the moral and ethical framework of Torah. Outside of that, you have a huge field to be able to pick from. How do you want to connect to Hashem? Where do you want to connect to Hashem? And what I would say to those people who were formerly uh, Orthodox and, uh, and, and, and practicing their Judaism, and now they're not because of disillusionment, it's time to reconnect to the source and to connect by cleaving. And, and look, this may not be the path your fathers chose. This may not have been the path that your father wanted for you. But you have to lech lecha. You have to start your journey. You have to find who you are. Avraham's problem, he's needed to find meaning in his life. A person that tries to find meaning in their heritage, when heritage disappoints, will lose meaning. When a person tries to find meaning in their marital relationships and their spouse disappoints them, they lose their meaning. When a person tries to find their meaning in their job and their job disappoints them, they lose their meaning. But a person who cleaves, cleaves to Hashem, a person whose focus is to say, my whole goal in life is to connect to Hashem and I'm going to do it as long as it's within the moral, ethical guidelines of the Torah, then it's free. Whatever I must do to do it, I've got to cleave. So I would tell those people who are struggling because maybe the B'nai Noach or the righteous non-Jew who's out there and sees Judaism and is kind of confused about what to do, you need to quit focusing on that and focus on one thing, and that is knowing God and making Him known to other people around you by your behavior and your actions. The study of the Tanakh, the study of the first five books of Moses. You're not limited. You can do those things. And no one is telling you how to do it. Every person that desires to cling to Hashem can find their own way of clinging to Hashem. Right? Some people like it in the, in the intense academic environment. Right? Some people find it in, in their family, raising their children and teaching their children. Some people find it in their ability to, to uh, listen to music and to sing song and to play music. Whatever it is, don't let somebody else tell you how you should connect to Hashem. Allow the Torah, its ethics, and its morality teach you how to connect. And with that saying, we understand that Abraham also had uh, another test. The other test was this idea of what was he going to do when he traveled into Canaan and found a famine. Did God tell him what to do? 
wouldn't have been nice if God said, hey, dude, you should go to Egypt, and this is how you should do it. But instead, he had to wrestle. I brought me here, not my wife's star, my people's star. What am I going to do? I know that they're going to probably steal my wife. You know, a lot of people want to uh, like to give themselves an excuse by saying one day, one day, X, Y, Z, and then I'll decide to do D, right? Uh, One day, when all these ducks line up, then I will be able to do this. But no, what Hashem is telling us through this text is that no, today is your day. The eternal now is your day. And you have to decide. Not your neighbor, not your friend, not even God. You have to decide. As long as it's within the framework, you have to decide. I heard someone say the other day that they didn't feel that they needed to do something to better their life because they just trust God. Right? And I said, wow, that's that's really selling yourself short. Because think about it. I mean, that does it to trust God, to have emuna and betachon does not mean set on your fanny and wait for manna to fall down. Right? And unless you're in at Sinai in the wilderness, it's not going to happen for us. So what is emuna and betachon is that in the midst of of struggling to find Hashem and to cleave to Hashem, I go back and find out what is the moral and ethical structure of Torah that teaches me to help make the right decision. And then as long as I'm making it within that framework, then I'm going to be good. Even if my decision turns out to not be so good. I've used the proper process to do it. Now, it says that the decision to go down to Egypt again placed him in a dilemma. How was he to protect his wife's honor in the situation of a danger of his own life? In these instances, he received no divine command, but had to decide on his own. And the Torah does not tell us explicitly whether he made the correct choice. Because we've heard people say, maybe that wasn't a good idea. He had to go down, he had to lie, you know, he had to protect his wife. Actually, the process of deciding and the acts that follow from his decisions were themselves the trial of Abraham. And we talk Abraham's ten trials. We've heard that all the time. But actually, the trial is having to wrestle with what you should do. Everyone in this room has been in a situation like, wow, I wish God would just tell me what to do. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just hear a voice? Like I said the other night, a person that prays is an amazing person. A person that hears God, talks to God is amazing. The one that hears God is praising. Let's talk about the trials of the heart. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to throw a couple things. About yeah, speak that. loud. Yeah. Um, my wife brought up uh, that even when the man fell, you had to get off your tofus and go collect it. And you better collect extra on Friday because it ain't going to fall on Saturday. So, you know, Very good. But even in that situation, so even in the situation of manna, you couldn't sit in your tent and go, well, I'm just waiting for God to bring it in my tent. And, uh, <laughs> and, and another thought popped out of me on, on what you just said, that uh, what if Hashem did talk to us? What are the consequences if we don't listen? That is the point. Why is it the point? Because if He tells us to do something and we don't do it, we've now said... 
we choose to do what we want to do. It's a rebellion against God. And also, our free will is at play then, isn't it? It's blocked. So the whole point of free will and making a decision is actually the greatest blessing that ever comes to it. It's just sometimes we don't like to be big people and make decisions. I tell people there are two things that God gave you. Gray matter and Torah. Right? You should be able to make every decision in the world based on those two things. You don't need to go ask cherubims to come speak to you. You just don't need it at all. Now, I want to talk about this other thing. In closing, that is the trials of the heart. There is another uh, characteristic of Abraham's trials which is unique. Most of his travails take place on the level of consciousness within Abraham's soul. By showing his willingness to leave his father's house and give up his past life, Abraham Abraham passed the test without actually being required to sever his ties with his past. Just by the very fact that he got up, packed up, and left. He didn't have to tell him, I refuse you guys. I'm leaving my family. I don't have anything to do with you guys. If anything, he was accomplishing what his father wanted him to do in the process. True, he left his home and went to an unknown land, but upon coming to the land, he found that he had been complying with God's command. He also succeeded in fulfilling his father's wish that he would live in the land of Canaan. Later on, when Abraham sought to uh, provide a wife for his son he connected to his father's house as i said and this feature serves to emphasize that the lord sees what is in a person's heart and that one need not actually suffer in order to stand up to the trials he sets did you hear that i'll repeat it the feature serves as to emphasize the lord sees what is in a man a person's heart and that one needs not actually suffer in order to stand up to the trials he has set meaning once again Cleaving requires integrity. Cleaving requires authenticity in your relationship with God. If your desires are ordered by the Torah and by the ethics and morality of Torah, really, He's going to make sure you're at the right place at the right time. I'm absolutely convinced of that. I've lived this. You've lived this. Sure, we've made some decisions that were probably you go back and go, ah, maybe I shouldn't have done it. But in the long term, what you have found out is even the decisions that you made did not come out to be the most profitable. Because you did it within the bounds of ethics and morality in the Torah, you've learned something from it. You've actually gleaned some beautiful thing out of that whole experience. For example, when we talked, Rabbi uh, Weissman was saying, you know, this whole idea, because I asked him, what about these people that we see are abused, uh, uh, you know, and they leave their Judaism because of the great abuse they experienced growing up? And, you know, isn't that also their test? And he said, I would say it's more than just their test. It's actually the test of the whole community. The whole community has to go, well, what, what role did we play in this whole thing? Now, Later on, when Abraham sought to provide his wife for his son, he talks about this reestablishing relationship. This kindness that God showed him, however, is not only enjoyed by Abraham. Job, in contrast, suffered greatly for his trials. And not only in his mind, this is also the case for most human beings who have faced trials and tribulation on our daily base. It is rare to be granted such kindness that true willingness to face a trial suffices. And that in the end, everything turns out for the best. Who benefits from being tested? We do. And every person. 
every person, it, Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. Gare, Noahide, whatever you want to call yourself. Every person benefits. In Genesis Rabbah, chapter 30, uh, 23, verse 3, it says this. It is written, The Lord seeks out the righteous man, but loathes the wicked one who loves injustice. Psalm 11.5 Rabbi Yonatan says, A potter does not check the quality of a fragile, ves- of fragile vessels, which he has but to strike once, and they break. Which does he examine? The sturdy vessels. That even if he strikes them several times, they do not break. Thus the Holy One, blessed be he, does not put trials before the wicked, rather before the righteous, as it is said, the Lord seeks out the righteous man. Genesis 21, I mean 22, verse 1. God put Abraham to test. Rabbi Jose ben Hanina said, when a flax worker knows that the flax is good, the more he pounds it, the better it becomes. And when he beats it, it becomes finer. But when he knows his flax is not good, he has but only to pound it once and the fiber breaks. Thus the Holy One, blessed be He, does not put the wicked to the test, but rather the righteous. As he said, the Lord seeks out the righteous man. Rabbi Eliezer said, This may be compared to the landlord who has two cows, one robust and one weak, on which he would put the yoke, but not on the robust one. Thus the Holy One, blessed be he, puts the righteous to the test, as it is written, the Lord seeks out the righteous man. So this means that the Midrash presents three views reflected in three different notions. That putting a person to test, the potter strikes the pot, the, the, the flax, etc., etc., then we understand that God puts the righteous people to test. Now, for those of you who thought and are under the illusion, I know none of you guys are, okay? I'm talking about those people. Somewhere way out there in video YouTube land. But if you ever were under the thought process that because I love Hashem and I cleave to Hashem and I study Torah, then I shouldn't have those kinds of afflictions. That's an illusion. That's, a, that's actually a lie. Right? Only a wicked person is not tried and, and, and given difficult times. And so every time that you find yourself being stricken, whether by health issues, whether it be by family stuff that's going on, it doesn't matter, whatever it is, put a smile on your face and realize it's part of cleaving to Hashem. It's part of cleaving. Every major sport, every major great success has to go through difficulties. Like I said and have mentioned before, when I was in the Army, I wanted to be Special Forces. I went and got the paperwork and started to fill it out in the whole nine yards, and then I started talking to some friends that were in it. Then I talked to a very close friend that went through the Q course, and I met him up at the hospital because during the desert phase, which happened to be in El Paso at the time, uh, he uh, got uh, blood poisoning from a wound or something. And in the process, he was telling me how you know, he flat went out of his mind. I mean, he thought he was eating candy bars at times, and they told him, you know, you're not eating candy bars, drink water, because they keep you up for so many hours, and they keep your nutrition just at the level to keep you from being physically harmed, but enough to where you just go bonkers, right? And I said, so, uh, when you get healed up, are you going to go back in the course? He went, no way in hell am I going to go back. Why? It's too much. And I decided at that point, 
I didn't want to go through those kind of trials. I didn't want to go through that. But see, my problem is this, and I think you're the same way. Cleaving to Hashem is worth all the true difficulties you could possibly come up with. And the nice thing is most of the difficulties you go through with Hashem is not blood poisoning. It's just having to make good, solid, moral decisions. It's not about having to worry about life and death. It's just usually about making the right decision at the right time for your family, what you do about your life, how do you order yourself, what kind of character development are you going through. Has something been pointed out that you know you need to correct? Then you make those corrections. And that is the test of those who try to cling to Hashem. They're going to come. They're going to be heart tests. They're going to be moral tests. But all of them are given in the guidelines of what the Torah actually says. All right, that concludes this year. We can go now into the discussion.